And welcome, everybody, to a Pinky in the Brain episode of the Animaniacast. No, the only way to make them all is to pay a huge workforce. Oh, oh, I know, Brain. We can get a holiday job as mall security. Please, Pinky, I... Yes! Pinky, this is it. Look. Elves wanted for holiday rush. Apply North Pole. Pinky, are you pondering what I'm pondering? Well, I think so, Brain, but apply North Pole to what? The elves, Pinky. Santa's workshop is the most productive manufacturing facility in the world. Apply North Pole to the elves? Pinky, right now your brainwaves are giving the amazing Kreskin a pounding headache. everybody once again to the Animaniacast. This of course is the podcast that is dedicated to the animated television series Animaniacs. And right now you might be asking yourself, what are we going to do tonight? Well, it's the same thing we do every night. We're going to be talking about Pinky and the Brain. That's right. Tonight we're going to be talking about Pinky and the Brain, but not just any episode of Pinky and the Brain. Once again, we're going to be revisiting a Pinky and the Brain Christmas. But we have some special guests with us. Aha! I am Joey, and joining me once again is my brother Nathan. Uh, look, a decoy. <laughs> and across the country in Georgia, there's Kelly. Hello. And it's Kelly's birthday today, by the way. So happy birthday, happy Kelly. Happy. Thank you. I could only sing the first two notes, otherwise you guys get fine. More charged. I just went happy. <laughs> well, that that Kelly. love those lovely two notes that you just heard well, is from a returning guest who was just in our previous episode talking about his his new movie. That's I got out. nothing going on. He's got, I nothing. got nothing. He's so busy, but he's back with us once again to talk about a Pinky the Ring Christmas. It's Maurice Lamarche. Hello, Mo. Hello, guys and gal. <laughs> and hello, our next guest. That's Man, right. I've not seen him in quite a while. But within whom I hold much esteem. <laughs> well, without this next person, we we wouldn't see today's episode, I don't think. Or certainly it wouldn't be no. to the quality that we it is. Uh, that, of course, is today's writer of the episode. It's Mr. Peter Hastings. Welcome back to the show, Peter. Hey everybody, it's great to be back. Hey, and and well, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everybody. This is going to be a great, I think, holiday treat for all the fans out there. Thank you guys both for coming on and and uh, talking about this this fantastic episode. This is um, this episode of Pinky the Brain has become a holiday tradition for so many people, and it's really stands above and beyond a lot of the traditional kind of Christmas specials one might see. Uh, you know, I, for me, it's, it's up, it's up there with Charlie Brown and Rudolph and, you know, all the, all the other classic ones that you might watch uh, during the holidays. It's better. It's better than those. <laughs> it's much better. better. It's the only one with Maurice LaMarche in it. This okay. is true. <laughs> of the ones you mentioned. Although the Rudolph episode, Rudolph, uh, the Rudolph special has Danny Mann's father as uh Yukon Cornelius. Oh, Danny Man, of course, a veteran veteran voice actor of my generation, fellow Torontonian. 
and uh, and uh, he the, he was very proud of the fact that his father was Yukon Cornelius. And actually, that whole that whole special was done up in Canada, believe it or not. So I had a dog named Yukon Cornelius. Nice. <laughs> but our 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 episode is better than that one. So okay, but not better than your dog. <laughs> no, your dog is better than us. Well, at uh, least at least it's sniffing uh, other dogs and knowing who they are just from that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Peter, can you please tell us? Like, uh, I guess we should get right into it. Uh, let's talk about how did this episode come to be? Like, obviously, we had the the spinoff. Uh, you know, had been going on with the WB. Uh, how did where was the decision made to to make this Christmas special and and were there any troubles that you you faced along the way with writing this episode? Mm-hmm. Ha 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 ha! Yes, um, <laughs> you guys probably know better than I do. Was this episode part of the Pinky and the Brain show or was it part of Animaniacs? It was Pinky and the Brain. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Pinky it was and the Brain okay. first season, so episode I eight. Couldn't- all right. So basically what happened was that Tom Ruger and Gene McCurdy came to me. So I had, you know, at that point I had written the majority of the pinky in the brain um, episodes. And as you guys know, um, all of us wrote everything, but everybody kind of had specialties uh, in terms of the characters that they wrote for. And the pinky in the brain was mine and, uh, and said, we want to do a Christmas special. And so then, um, so that, that was kind of all the direction I got. So then, you know, I went home and just kind of tried to bang out a story. One of the ones that I came up with two main stories. One of them one was sort of classic Animaniacs, Tiny Toons thing, which was to make a show about making a Christmas special, right? To just go meta on it, which we did all the time. So I had written one story where the brain realizes how emotional uh, people are about Christmas specials, and he wants to take advantage of that. And so he comes up with a Christmas special called The Littlest Snowflake. Uh, and so it's all about them making the special. Then the other story I had was was uh, a bit more conventional kind of Santa story, which is the one that we made. And But I pitched both of them to Tom, and Tom went like, mm, I think we got to do Santa. So um, so we did the uh, Santa story. But the writing of it for me, is, uh, it was a bit of a life lesson because um, I had a really hard time figuring out the story. And the thing that makes this special, particularly special, besides Maurice's voice performance, is, oh, is the ending of it, is the denouement, is the whole thing with Pinky's letter to Santa. And I think that's that ended up being the, the whammy of this whole episode and really uh, elevated it. Okay, but that didn't come for a while. I specifically remember being at my dining room table at 2 o'clock in the morning, free writing, trying to come up with something. I can't find it, but I know I still have the notebook where that idea that it's like, oh my gosh, Pinky, is this a safe place to drop spoilers for what we're about to watch? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so the Pinky, you know, the Pinky's letter to Santa was all about um, the brain and that the brain cries. And um, that, so when I come up with that, it was kind of funny because I read the script and there was a storyboard artist who was, whose office was next to mine, Barry Caldwell. And when I first started at, at uh, on, I guess, Tiny Tunes, um, Barry was very antagonistic towards me because I didn't have very much experience and who was I to tell him what to do. But when he got the Thinking the Brain Christmas thing, he came into my office holding the script and he said, you made the brain cry. I love this script. 
And then he went on, he boarded kind of the last third or the second half of it and did a lot of the, um, he added so much that end when the, when the brain is overcome with emotion, blows his plan off and then smashes everything, uh, which is this wonderful expression, uh, you know, uh, of emotion in, in that moment. But here's the thing. I struggled with that thing. I wanted to get fired. I was hoping they would cancel it. I, every, it was just like, this is torture. <laughs> this is torture. But I figured it out, and we run a, won a primetime Emmy for that ser- for that thing. And there's many times when I get into a stuck as a writer, and I go like, "Dude, remember thinking the Brain Christmas special? What happened with that? That mm-hmm. turned out great." And and maybe for, as a writer, one of the most satisfying um, emotional endings of like anything that I've ever written. So um, that part that part was a really big deal for me. Um, it's, it's incredibly effective. I mean, people, yeah. people speak it to it. Doesn't, it doesn't cross, the, it doesn't cross the line into modeling. You know, that's, that's the thing. It was a truly heartfelt, but not syrupy ending. And it, it just, it, the, the to, to, as, as the actor who got to play it, it was just very satisfying to get to that note with this character who, heretofore had only been a curmudgeon and to see that you know there's this soft spot that he has for pinky he dare not let it out too much yeah uh but but you know it's uh it was just really wonderful added another dimension to brain for me as the actor yeah and always so you know because mo just does such a great job and and i know kind of over time i think i think you know you've morphed you you added a little more vincent price to to the brain but of course he started out really as pure mm-hmm. orson wells and for me yeah. as a writer it was like i get to write for orson wells it was like so much fun to you know because i could write these words and i knew that mo was going to just deliver them perfectly in that voice and uh it was always super fun to, to be able to do that. I love doing that. Um, and the other thing, I think, Mo, also is you, what you kind of just what you were mentioning is that I've always sort of felt a pinky in the brain much more of a love story than sort of, you know, the jerk and the idiot and, and, you know, how much those guys need each other. Um, right. You know, to get stuff. Well, I, I said, since, since that episode, I, I, I always played that. I, I going forward, I, I, I discovered it with that episode. Uh, up to that point, I just played him as this exasperated character who's stuck with this moron, you know, in a cage, and he's just making the best of it. Uh, but seeing that there was, you know, that he does see the good in Pinky uh, in that episode. Going forward, I just always kept it in here, you know, as uh, in my heart as as the character. It was always in the subtext from that day forward for me. Yeah, it's super fun, and then. Um... You know, we just we went into production and, uh, you know, it all turned out and the, the, the show we, you know, it's every now and then we'd save a special episode to go to TMS, which was our stellar um, animation studio in Japan um, that just kind of did a better job than everybody else. The, really the animation on it is yeah, it's really, so beautiful. It's really yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, we did the we did this sort of classic thing that every uh, show does it's just like are we going to make a new main title it's like can't we just put snow on the front of the old one <laughs> you know which, <laughs> which which basically we did but anyway, you did was, do new lyrics though to it which there was... are there are new lyrics and i'm gonna just say this this here before we get into it at the very end of the theme song so um um 
um, uh, Richard Stone, of course, who was the composer, he he threw in, you know, there's jingle bells in the theme and stuff like that. They re-recorded the music. But if you listen careful, carefully, at the very end, there's a quote from the Christmas carol, Good, Good King Wenceslas, which, and the line is, Good King Wenceslas looked down on the feast of Stephen. So that's when it says Steven Spielberg presents Peking the Brain. And, and that that music is just tucked in there a little bit. And I was like, Richard, did you put that in there on purpose? And he goes, like, you heard it. You found it. Wow. Very that, inside. Yeah. That is amazing. Well, we definitely have to listen for that. That was, I was. Wow. Very taggable. Very cool. That's that's some that's some inside baseball I even did not know. That was Ooh. that's amazing. But that's how amazing Richard was too. Yes, yeah, he loved. That. He was so he was so phenomenal. You know, I mean, just the, thing, the thing about Richard that, is that he really truly loved what he was doing. He wasn't yeah. a guy doing cartoons, and it's like, oh, I wish I could get a Batman movie. He loved doing these cartoons. It's it's one of the things that we really love about analyzing these these cartoons is not only do you have the the great cultural references to to the 90s but also going back to the 50s 40s 30s etc but then you have this underpinning of the musical score which is a reference which are additional jokes sometimes right there based upon what's going on uh a, a, might be a, a if you know the lyrics to the song that's being played there's another verbal joke a pun going on at the same time which is always uh, an added bonus so yeah he he and the bernsteins are just um uh, amazing uh doing that yeah. stuff well and then also those there i mean as composers they're super privileged that you've got steven spielberg attached to the series and he insists on an orchestra you know there's there's no cartoons doing that you have a budget that's almost 10 times what a normal cartoon music budget is yeah and that's been fantastic. Yeah. Super fun. I have that good Wenceslas song in my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not a bad time for it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Mo, I guess before we get going, I just had a quick question for you as well, uh, Maurice. Now, was this, was this the first time when you walked into the booth that day? <clears throat> did Is this the first time that you, you got a chance to read the script? And, and how did you – how did that scene – did that scene surprise you when you f- were first reading that? What was your reaction when you were first uh, seeing those? The, uh, I, I am, I am, uh, I have a, you know, I, I will, uh, I'll cop to the uh, fact that I hardly ever look at the script in advance, but I don't remember if I was getting the pinky and the brain scripts in advance. I know we that uh, we didn't send them out. Okay. All right. Thank you. Cause I, I was also on the critic at the same time and they did send, the script out, you know, because I'd sometimes have 20 parts to play. So that's a script I would study. I'd go over it and go, okay, who, who are they? Through? Harvey Keitel. Okay. I've got to go to the movies and watch Harvey Keitel in the piano to get this voice down for this piano chair uh, parody we're doing. So, yeah. So the, when we table read it, which we would do on mic, uh, that was the first I was hearing it. So, which is, you know, terrific because it's more immediate. We did not record the rehearsals, um, however, and and um, when I got to the scene where Brain gets choked up, 
it was genuine. I mean, it was really organically happening to me because the story unfolded for me and for the character in that moment. And the tears and the, and the catch in my voice was so organic, so real. And, uh, you know, Andrea turned and said, Harry, did you get that? And he went, no, I never record the rehearsals. From that day forward, we recorded every rehearsal. I was never that good ever again. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter there were how many how many seasons we were on, <laughs> but uh, that was that was unfortunate that we missed that lightning in a bottle. I did my best to recreate it when we went for the record, but um, yeah, that, that that it really got me. It got me right in the as we weren't saying at that time, but are saying now the feels mm-hmm. the feels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wish then, I wish we'd been rolling on that rehearsal. Yeah. I mean, there because that was a kind of a period of time where we would like the cast would arrive and just do a run through right before recording it. So it wasn't even it wasn't like a table read where you like the Simpsons does where you do a read and then they do another pass. Maybe, you know, you would just it was like a warm up uh, for everybody mm-hmm. and get levels and stuff like that, which generally doesn't. I uh, you know almost doesn't. the other thing yeah, about nobody's doing that anymore. No, not and as a Asia. side note. A side note to not looking at the script, my assumption generally, because I didn't voice direct those uh, shows, but I've done everything since then. Um, I don't ever expect an actor to do it because if you're bringing in somebody like like Marie, so you're bringing in Rob Paulson or you're bringing in Tress or, you know, somebody like that, they're just too good. You just don't really need to. Plus, you're there to direct them if, if you know, they need uh, to make adjustments. So when you have really, really strong people, they can just come in and and knock it out which mm-hmm. which certainly mo and rob did those records got really fun too because pinky the brain has a small cast and sometimes it's just like mo and rob and like you know there's maybe one other person there and it was harry me and andrea you know when we when we really got into the series it was a very small harry, harry andronis our late great engineer, and, engineer uh, yeah, yeah. and we used to just uh, knock those out it was they were it was they were, they were super fun yeah. Well, I think it's time to go ahead and watch today's episode. We're going to all watch it together. And you folks at home, why don't you watch it as well? Ooh. We can all make sure that we're all synced up. This will be this will be fantastic. All watch it together. Yay. Set your VCRs. Yes. Okay. Get your, I mean, some of you probably still have that VCR up and running. Here to go, but uh, <laughs> otherwise, you got your DVD. And it's, of course, on Hulu, although I've heard that it may be leaving Hulu. The classic episodes may be leaving Hulu. I mean, at soon. some point in the future. It's it got to happen at some will. point. Yeah. Get, get your physical media, folks. You but it's streaming get... somewhere, I bet. You know, Somewhere some legally or, or uh, they, yeah. illegally. Yeah, they just generally jump from one platform to the next. But, exactly. Yeah. You can find it. Here's hoping. <laughs> well, uh, Nathan, before we get going all together, can you please tell us how to make sure that we're all synced up at home? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, grab your streaming device or whatever it is. Uh, go to Season 1, Episode 8, and you start the episode, but get ready because you're going to have to pause it. As soon as Bugs Bunny fades to black, uh, pause it, and then Joey's going to count you off, and we'll start all together. Yeah, Sounds like a plan. And you'll unpause it, I guess, when he's done. Yeah, playing. you should unpause it at that point. Because um, otherwise, you'll just be watching a black screen. That's it, no fun. Yeah, that's no fun. Uh, <laughs> so I will say, uh, I'm going to count us down one, two, three, and then I'll say go. And when I say go, ladies and gentlemen, that's when you you go. You got it? Here we go. Oh, no, not that go. One, two, three, and go.
worked. <laughs> and this is I I was I appreciated how they we have the snow right here overlay like we did in Animaniacs, but as we can yeah. see, the lyrics are different <laughs> slightly. Yeah, and different music mm-hmm. slightly, you know, like yeah. Right. So he just put through j- jingle bells in there. And that. <laughs> there you go. Joy to the world as they destroy it. Yes. <laughs> okay, listen for it. Now that I got it. That yeah. is that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rob Paulson, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes. This animation is so beautiful. It's so tight. I mean, yeah. it's almost it this could be feature film animation. Yeah, I believe this is the only time TMS did Pinky in the Brain. They that's did, what I see from them. And they did it uh, on the, um, a couple of times. Yeah, for animated. For their own show. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, for on the spinoff show, this is the only time. Hmm. According to Wikipedia. <laughs> Narf. <laughs> so we have Noodle Noggin coming in here. Now, this was first in Puppet Rulers. Was this a conscious decision here, Peter, to call? Yeah. <clears throat> um, Puppet Rulers is interesting because it was all about how all of these directors were glorifying stuff from their childhood, like Spielberg making a Casper movie. <laughs> so that, that was all about, you know, that they were going to get really famous in the 50s and then um, freeze themselves and come back and be really famous. But they got sued for breaking everybody's heart. And of course, now we're seeing the the contraption that he uses later. (laughs) (laughs) The brilliance of that, that only Pinky wouldn't be smart enough to get to move, move. yeah yeah <laughs> just, i'm gonna stand on hot sand there we go i was just thinking about that, that regis philbin reference because we we, we used regis philbin a lot because of his silly energy you know but like uh i if his name had been tom brown we wouldn't have been making fun of him it was just like regis philbin <laughs> regis a philbin is a, is a great yeah. comical name but william f buckley that there's a reference yeah. that you, you probably couldn't get away with today. I know. Well, the, the great thing now is it's like, you, you know, of course, the kid's not going to know who William F. Buckley is. Not that they did when this came out, but right. you know, it's one of those things where years later you read about William F. Buckley and you're like, that's who that guy is. <laughs> I love all the failed plans. <laughs> These could all be their um, own episodes. Like, so who else is who else is in this movie? Um, Earl Bowen plays Santa. Yep. 
and dresses in it as the female pilot. And I think uh, Jeff, um, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Bennett, Jeff Glenn Bennett, of the other, the boss elf, the head elf. Yeah. Yeah. That joke is dangerous. I'm, I'm kudos for trying it. We go back to Bethlehem and the implication is what? Yeah. What, <laughs> what, what, what did we do when we were back there? Finky. <laughs> Obviously it didn't work. <laughs> that stuck I around there for you a few times that the thinking the brain being too. I love the the slow burn. That I that I got to do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's one of the cases of me laughing ahead of the punchline, just knowing yeah. what it's coming. Yeah. Up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's another there's another current reference. Yeah. The amazing Kreskin. He's hey. like from my childhood. It's not even from yeah, my Kreskin's adulthood. still around, by the way. That's that's the that's the uh that's the beauty of it. He's he is on Twitter and he loves it when he has been mentioned on Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs, by the way. Um, yes. He absolutely he has referred to the show. Yes. A side note on a side note on are you pondering what I'm pondering? So when I wrote the very first script, Win Big, I wrote that in there. And I was like, brain says, are you pondering when I'm pondering? I need something really silly for Pinky. And I walked around the office and it was John McCann. I said, I need some weird non sequitur. And he said, where are we going to get a duck and a hose at this hour? And that was the origin of, here's one of my favorite line reads. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I just love the yeah, saying at the same you know, time. You know, almost. <laughs> if you hadn't pointed it out, I would have. I just that's, love the way that scene played, the, the, know, and, and that was case. totally organic. You know, no, it was oh. not planned that way; it just worked out that way. So, Here's Tress. Uh, okay, Dave Burl. That's my great grand great grandfather's name. That's why that's there. Ah, and my father is David Burl Hastings. This is Tress. Um. Love that line. <laughs> she misses yeah. him. I know. Tress nobody, is so good at that. Absolutely nobody can deliver a line like Tress. Just I know. Genius. And with that voice, too. It's like, yeah. I need a, I need a rasp, rasky old lady. She can give you the... She'll ask you what age. How old? Because she's got three right. different raspy ladies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Get it? Get Dummy? It. Get uh-huh. it? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. The French. <laughs> I think after we saw when we find when we first saw that uh, that Orson Welles outtake uh, from the, uh, the the on-camera wine commercial, did we take more opportunities to have brain fall? Long distances, <laughs> just so we could say, yeah. <laughs> the French. All right, that was we just went by our reference to Rudolph, the Rankin Bass Rudolph. <laughs> he wants to be a that one got me dentist. For the kids. Yeah, I was going to say, there's one yeah. that took 20 years to set in. Yeah. <laughs> They're revisiting it now. All right, this is Jeff Bennett here. Doing a somewhat Joe Pesci uh, kind of take yeah. on the coming off. Okay, that's my nep. My nephew's name is Daniel Oren Hastings. That's uh-huh. my that's my nephew, Danny Oren. Right, Earl Bowen. So, Earl Bowen was yeah. Earl Bowen was the uh, like uh, 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 dean in Animal House. Is that right? You forget. You're on. I secret, don't know, but he was probation. he was the psychiatrist in all the Terminator movies. Oh right. Yes. It's a very 90s reference to when people it was was like a fad and of course it never did go away. Yeah. But, um, yeah. He has the the ponytail there too. There's one of my favorite lines right there. Yep. And and, and and again again another time release joke for the 90s kids. You know, <laughs> right. Who have to we're getting it now, and of course, your 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 genius here. I did. I'd never heard of the Donner Party, so I delivered the line without knowing what the hell I was saying. That's, uh, that's we a, didn't. We that's didn't a have that. We Canada. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have. I was going to say we didn't have those cannibals. We had Canadian cannibals who uh, right. only ate um, people that had female around them. <clears throat> So this this episode was uh, nominated for an Annie Award in the early years of the Annie Awards when they only had one writing category. So it was up against Toy Story in the writing category. Amazingly, Whoa. didn't win. But um, but my favorite part was the clip that they showed was that joke about the Donner Party, about something unappealing about joining the Donner Party, which got a nice laugh in the room. So I, that yeah. was my winning moment at those <laughs> Annie Awards. <laughs> and it's a great decoy <laughs> distraction <laughs> Barbie I love this <laughs> <laughs> you horrible sexist person okay yeah well <laughs> it was in the 90s it was true. It was a different time. Classic. Slow the come on, mama the come on, mama. 
Love that. Love that. There you go, Mo. Classic yes. The yes of, of brain came from uh, came from the uh, frozen peas outtake, hmm. and yes. that we just kept writing yes because the way Orson said yes when they asked him if he was uh, freaking. Oh, there we go. Thank you. And that was for me, right, Peter? The Canadian yeah. reference there? Yeah. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> yes. Always. <laughs> and a little O Canada in there. See the yeah. genius of Richard Stone. Yeah. Amazing. See? And, of course, the one thing we always do to uh, people in the North Pole when we interrogate them, remove their clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy fake lens flare. What, what was that, Peter? I missed. Fancy fake lens flare. Uh, oh yeah. JJ Abrams was still in high school, <laughs> and we we did it first, baby. <laughs> This is Richard's take on uh, Power Powerhouse. Power, powerhouse, yes. Powerhouse, which he Scott, was like classic. his inverted melody that he called Howard Pouse. Howard Pouse, I <laughs> <Yeah>. love it. Because <laughs> well, he already used a, Powerhouse in the Nanomaniacs episode, did he not? I, I don't yeah. know, but it was a it was a you know as a standard, it was a Carl Stalling standard. Yeah, right. And then I don't think he could officially use it, so he. Um, came up with Howard Pouse. You know, the parody, the, the guidelines for parody were a lot uh, easier in the 90s than they are now. Yeah. That was me in my other role that uh, bumped me up to uh, scale plus 10%, the Chicago-born elf that just spoke to Shotzi. <laughs> Doesn't seem like he's putting it in every one. It seemed like he skipped. There the must one. be another guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the other guy down the road. Okay. I love that Santa forgot ho ho ho, I'm guessing. He forgot the thing he says. I'm guessing it's <laughs> beautiful off camera gag. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> this guy. With the cigarette, or is that a lollipop? Yeah. Candy cane, yeah. Candy cane, yeah. Candy cane. Pouring the rejects in that North Pole dumpster. <laughs> At least the garbage stays fresh. Yeah. The lighting in this really is amazing. The shadows and the and everything, just really awesome. Yeah. Oh, you curmudgeon. Yes. I'm very curmudgeonly. <laughs> Seems so much shorter without commercials. <laughs> the 
That was a beautiful touch. <laughs> I mean, anybody else would have just had them stash away in the in the in the, uh, the toys, but this is such an opportunity here. No. But you know, it's just continually, you know, one of the hallmarks of Pinky and the Brain is that um yeah, you know, Brain tells the truth about what he's doing and nobody buys it. Yes. Yeah. Love that. Well, it's very uh Grinch like Max with the Mm-hmm. The yeah. horns. branch on his head, yeah. Now that yes. is like a classic, like, yeah. I get to write this line that Orson Welles is going to say. Yeah. The understatement. The understatement. Master yet, of understatement. And yet, and while in immense pain. And the verbosity at the same time. Yes. That was you. That was me as the dad. I now look like that. <laughs> Bill Clinton. Frank Welker. Did Frank do that? Is that is, he's come in for that? <laughs> you sh- it's. I think it might be him. I think it is. I think you get a better audio of him later. This is, you guys are now, we're now approaching uh, the highlights of my 30 years of writing cartoons. I love how Richard builds the suspense with the music. It's so great. Yeah. And Steve wrote a bunch of this one too. Rob is so heartfelt here. It's brilliant. It's a great build up. Great setup. I love the dilated pupils. So coming up, this is the part that Barry added. I mean, after Brain says Merry Christmas. Sweet. 
<laughs> yes. And here we have the only time the brain succeeded. <laughs> right. That's right. Good point. You know, I kind of feel like that, you know, fit, you know, that he breaks that thing apart. If I put that in the script, some probably said like, that's weird. You can't do that. But it happened in the storyboards. And so you could see that it worked. Yeah. There's a there's a relic. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> Say not, not true retro. Oh, oh. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, I'm I'm choked yeah. up. All right, who's crying? Who's crying? Peter Hastings. <laughs> I'm so not crying. You're crying. <laughs> you know the. I just I every time I watch that, I think you know something something a little different there. The 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 love that they share for each other in that moment. I mean, even like just obviously like the brain, you know, is the one that sh- you know shows how much he cares for for Pinky. But Pinky, I mean, just him saying that go on you're on you know the 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 open the open arms that he shows that he shows to brain is like it's like a forthcoming hug even even without it's like it's so it's such a beautiful moment of animation you know that uh, you know it just you you could tell brain melted a little bit more at that moment where he, he you know had that thought of what kind of jerk am i what um, kind of jerk am I? I mean, <laughs> I do love that when Pinky like it. does his hands to kind of like, okay, yeah. all right, you can do yeah. it. Just total yeah. support. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it's interesting because I, I, you know, written stuff and I'm like, oh, I, you know, how do you, how do you make people cry in a story? And it's like, well, you make something really sad. And it's like, no, the stuff that really makes you cry is that giving is that pure, like, uh, yeah. you know, acts of kindness that people yeah. do, you know, when the, when the, you know, the person shows up at your door with a casserole kind of thing or, or, yeah. or this sort it's of stuff. Gift to the Magi stuff, you know? Yeah. Which is, which yeah. um, really happens in there. But that, you know, that ending is why, um, you know, I have an Emmy for that show and a few other people. Maurice is also um, an Emmy award winning voice actor. Although there was a time when he liked to say he was the only person from Pinking the Brain that had not won an Emmy. <laughs> that is true. But you uh, got that over was that. True. I, yeah, <laughs> I did get over that. when I when I won two for Futurama. And but uh, that, that's you know, and and that's you know, I got very. Once you win one, you sort of go, "Wow, that's nice," but yeah, didn't fix it. Didn't fix anything. It just <laughs> it's just, so true. Well, that, my price didn't go up. Uh, you know, I'm. I know. In fact, I, I noticed after I after I won them, I work kind of, but for Futurama, 
slowed down a little bit because people might have thought, well, he's going to ask for the world now or something. He's I don't know, busy. but it was, it doesn't, uh, or he's too busy. But but uh, when everybody assumes you're too busy, I guess it's like the beautiful girl who, you know, is home every Friday night from high school because everybody thinks that she's been asked out by everybody else and she doesn't go to the prom. And I don't know why I made that analogy because I'm, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a prom dress. I'll tell you. Um, I mean, one of the things that's nice about having an Emmy is that when people come over to your house, they have fun grabbing it and taking pictures of themselves. Uh, right. That, that and the problem. great thing about having two Emmys is that in case you have two intruders that come they, into the house, you can one. take them on both on because those those angel Spikes. wings are really sharp. <laughs> <laughs> I did find this in my office. Oh. Um, it's not just Pinky. It's not just the brain plush, but it's in a Santa outfit, and he's holding the, the keychain. Yeah, is, is that a bomb? Yeah. It's a bomb. It looks like a bomb, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's gotta feel good, Pete. That's a bomb. That, that's from hell? your mind, from your mind to to felt or yes. whatever it's made of. Yes, indeed. Fortunately, not to my pocket. <laughs> no, this is yes. true. None of us, none of us had those deals, unfortunately. But uh, you know, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, and it's still to this day. I mean, they have a they have a, a some merchandise I think coming out one of these days from uh, I think what's what's that company Super Six or something like that. They have some Pinky and the Brain figures coming out, and the Brain comes with a little world keychain right there. Nice. So there we. go. So he kept it. Yes, he t- kept, kept it all, all these this, years. Exactly. Yeah, he was that touched by Pinky. <laughs> well, uh, thank you to once again this this I mean I couldn't ask this is definitely a pinch me kind of moment uh, for myself uh, watching this episode uh, in my younger days. Never in my wildest dreams would I ever think that I'd get a chance to to watch it with the man who wrote it and of course the voice of the brain himself. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time to come with us today and and rewatch this episode. It was it, it really was a special treat. So thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome. You. I mean, you know, yeah, honestly, one of the really, too. the fun things about you know doing because you know now that that version of Pinky and the Brain is is pretty old, and uh, so now the kids who watch up you know the the kids who watched it are tend to be like in their thirties, like mid late thirties mm-hmm. and are much more prone to coming up to me and telling me about how they, how they watched it and they loved it. I've, I almost, I, I almost feel like I hear more about pinky in the brain now than I did like, you know, in the two thousands. Yeah. But because the audience, well, it's true that that, that generation, much like our, much like our, our noodle noggin episode, the original one, uh, the iconoclast, um, those kids <laughs> right. are, are growing up and it's a happier ending. They aren't shoving their therapy bills in our face. They're, yeah. they're actually telling us, thank you for making that, our childhood. Yeah, but that, um, I mean, there's, there's also for me, uh, you know, in the pinky brains that I wrote, um, I tended to be inspired by kind of pop culture, but I didn't really do like parody pop culture so much. So like that noodle, uh, the noodle noggin one, the, um, did you just say the name of it? I forgot. I don't remember. Uh, Puppet Icon- Rulers? Yeah, Puppet Puppet Rulers, Rulers, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Puppet Rulers. Was really inspired by the fact that, well, George Lucas watched Buck Rogers and then he made Star Wars. And the, and he and Steven watched African adventure movies and they made Raiders, right? So they glory like glorified, you know, these things 
um, yeah. from their childhood. So that was kind of the inspiration for making that cartoon or when, when Ross Perot ran for president and, and we did meet John Brain, um, you know, rather than doing direct sort of, um, you know, pop culture parodies, obviously there's lots of references kind of thing. Indeed. I always, for me, it was always, that's Yakko, Wacko and Dot's job you know, <laughs> to really get in there, right. do the full on spoof kind of thing. I liked being, be doing more of the commentary on the culture that Pinky and Brain did. Yeah. And I actually talk about this, the, you know, there's sort of, I mean, this is another, I've probably mentioned this to you guys before, but the two different styles of comedy that Yakko, Wacko and Dot are, are silly people in serious situations, right? They go in and they wreak havoc, like the Marx Brothers and Three Stooges and Jerry Lewis and Jim Carrey, that sort of tradition. And Pinky and the Brain are serious people in silly situations, which is more of a like a Monty Python kind of thing. And, you know, where they're, they're everybody's taking it very seriously, but it's preposterous that Brain is, you know, wearing a giant man suit and stuff like that. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. just, you know, I love that style of humor and and for me personally, just has a little more depth to it because uh, um, kind of rings out. I love doing another just writing. Sorry, I'm going off the Das Mouse episode where they try to raise the hull of the Titanic to make right. a hypnotic pancake batter. You know, it's like I got to write a parody of Crimson Tide and Hunt for Red October and Das Boot. And but of course, it's it's all jokey. But the thing is, you can still, if you're young, you can still get into it as an adventure story. You know, right. it mm-hmm. tastes like an adventure. And then there's all these layers of kind of satire that kind of on top of it. So that was always, yeah. always fun. Pinky in the Brain was always yeah. so I loved, that. I loved, I loved the, the idea of playing Brain as though he's in a drama. The, you know, oh, yeah. he's actually just, and this, this loopy character he has to share space with. Uh, you know, is is just just thwarting everything. The, his thwartedness is such a fun note to play. I mean, you know, a, what actor doesn't feel thwarted in his career? You know, uh, if if the, you know, if you don't get the part or whatever it is. So you know that that for me, I love that you had that sensibility in writing it because to me as an actor, that was so much fun to play. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, you know, you know that, and I mean, you know, and then Rob is like a person who can recite, uh, in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So can you? Yeah, like, so to we, That's how yeah. we bonded. We bonded about yeah. who could who could go furthest in quoting Monty Python to each other before we broke. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, I mean, that and a, the Peter Cook Dudley Moore sketches. You know, it's the sort of intelligently um, intelligently silly kind of thing. The other one too that really speaks to um, now we're going off the Christmas special but that speaks to their relationship is the one called um that smarts and it's where brain Oh uh, yes. brain decides that the problem the reason he's failing all the time is because Pinky is stupid. And so he builds a machine that will make Pinky smart that's really hard to operate. But he does it he makes Pinky smart and then Pinky starts pointing out the problems with all of brain's plans which pisses off the brain, right? <laughs> and he yells at Pinky and hurts his feelings. But then the brain realizes that they need that parody. They need that duality. One of them needs to be stupid. And now Pinky is smarter than the brain. So the brain goes and reverses himself in the machine and makes himself stupid. But what he doesn't know 
is that when he hurt Pinky's feelings, Pinky's like, I don't like being smart. And Pinky had already made himself stupid. And the episode ended up with them both being stupid in the cage and unable to operate the machine anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but neither but one of them knew what so they were going to do about, the next night, I think. Yeah, but for me, it was like <laughs> so much about just about what their relationship was and who's really at fault. And, you know, which is a big debated item, you know. Yeah, which one's the, the genius? Yeah. Right now, yeah, insane. right now that's, I must get that question in every Comic-Con I do. So what about the theory that Pinky's the genius? Uh, and, I, and I always say, that's where they call it a theory, my friend. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, Pinky could not work an infindibulator. So, um, <laughs> which I take from, from that episode, which, by the way, would have made a fantastic series finale if we'd have just held it to be the very last episode. That's true. It that's would true. have been, well, that's what happened. They're both stupid and they stay in that cage. And yes. <laughs> um, the infundibulator, by the way, is a word that I stole from, um, uh, I think from Slaughterhouse Five or Breakfast of Champions. There's a sci-fi thing and it's called the Sinocrastic Infundibulator that oh, they refer to. I think it's, I think it's, you know, it's Billy Pilgrim. I think that's, um, uh, um, Slaughterhouse Five. I don't remember. It's the one with Valerie Perrine in it. And mm. yeah, that was Slaughterhouse Five. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a science guy talking about the sinoclastic infundibulator, which is where I stole that, stole that word from. <laughs> well, we always love it when you're on because we're able to get to those, the layering. I think the, the layering of your writing, Peter, and of, of Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs is always something that I think it's something that speaks to why the show is so timeless. The, why the people that are in their 30s and their 40s are sharing it with their kids, or in our case, we're just sharing it with our friends to this day uh, because of so many different layers, so, so many different uh, things that we didn't get, you know, the Jungian joke uh, when we were young, uh, when we were young. Haha. Uh, but as we get older and, and we, we revisit this, we can laugh all over again. And every time we're, we're finding new things in it. And uh, it really is, you know, this is, is just a fine example of, of what, you know, the pinnacle of pinky in the brain animaniacs uh, can be. So thank you once yep. again. Um, Simo, we have some legacy items out there. Somehow, <laughs> some way. Somehow. They'll be around. They'll be, yeah. they'll be, they'll be watching them long after we are. Yeah. Whatever happens to us. <laughs> yes. Frozen cryogenically to come back in the future. Yeah. So people just like frozen them. peas. Yes. They'll be frozen. <laughs> yes. Like, like yeah, Findus, Findus peas. Did you really mean that? Sorry, I, I just heard a gong from outside. I'm sorry. What is a gong? Do you mind telling me what that is? <laughs> yes. It's um, a noise. Yes. Can I see Mrs. Rogers for a moment, please. <laughs> just, it's great. It's great to see you again, Peter. You great too. To see you and to share this evening with you. It's actually, just... I met you guys. Who actually was when we were in San Diego. Yeah. We were doing Animaniacs live music. That's right. Yes, with indeed. The, with the <laughs> Joey's like, I, I think was that's there. Peter yeah. Hastings. Yeah. Yes, I still remember this day. Like, yeah, is that Peter Hastings up there? And so, like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, what does Peter Hastings, Hastings look like? I'm going to rush the stage and talk to Peter Hastings right now in the in the there pre-show. Nobody talks to the bass player. Man. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the yeah, bass player just setting up. I got to hand this bass player my card.
Uh, <laughs> well, well, thank you to once again for. Uh, I think before we before we wrap things up and wish everybody a very merry Christmas, we should get to any kind of contact information where you guys can be found online. So, uh, Maurice, where where can people find you online? Well, okay. First, I, I actually have Peter's home address right here. I'm just calling it up in my contact because <laughs> I don't think he's on social media. So here it is. No, I uh, you can you can find you can communicate with me uh, on uh, Twitter at Maurice Lamarche, all one word at Maurice Lamarche, M A U R I C E L A M A R C H E, or on the Instagram, I'm at Maurice underscore Lamarche, and look for me on Facebook. I've got a fan page on there as well. And that's uh, that's how that's where I'm findable. Okay, yeah, I'm mainly on the Instagram, just as Peter Hastings. Although my my Instagram is not my life story, it's really a photography exhibit. His photography, by the way, is absolutely phenomenal. Oh, Check him out; absolutely. he's an amazing photographer. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Kelly, what about you? I'm on Twitter, Yoda Princess Y O D A P R N C S S. And Nathan. Uh, checking it. Twitter's still around. Um, uh, Django FT. That's me. All right. And as for the Animaniacast, we're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and a bunch of other things as a backup, depending on which of these things uh, all go kaput. Uh, so uh, thank you once again, Mo. Thank you, Peter. Uh, this, this, I can't say enough how much this means to us and I'm sure to the fans as well who are listening. Um, so uh, for... Nathan and Kelly and Mo and Peter. This is Joey saying good night, everybody. 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 <laughs> this podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, Freakazoid, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast, unless otherwise indicated. Just act natural, Pinky. Right, Brain. La 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 la! Zord! Ha ha ha! Laugh! Point a gun! Pinky, not that natural. <laughs>